Welcome to Empowering Leaders Podcast, where we redefine leadership so you can take your people where you want them to go. I'm Yaja. And I'm Alex. If there's ever a time to empower our leaders, it's now. Whether it's a pandemic, a natural disaster, political upheaval, challenges faced in the workplace, or even personally, great leadership is key. No matter the crisis, or even if there is none, our episodes are filled with relevant conversations around what it takes to be an empowered leader. We'll have guests joining us as we dive deep into ways in which we can all communicate more clearly, build a stronger culture, engage and influence with relevance, and so much more. We'd love your feedback so that we can make this epic for you and we can all learn and create a world of empowered leaders because empowered leaders empower leaders. So we invite you to rate our show and share your feedback in your review. Now, let's jump in and explore. Hello and welcome to another episode of Empowering Leaders podcast. I am truly, truly pleased and honoured to welcome Karen Ferris here. Welcome, Karen. Thank you so much. It's an honor to be here too. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, my pleasure, Karen. I really appreciate you being here. If I may, I'd like to introduce you a little bit more. Now, you have a little bit of a bio here that I have. Mm-hmm. And if I may, do you mind if I read it? Go for it. Absolutely. <laughs> Fantastic. So I have here that Karen is a self-professed service management and organizational change man- management rebel with a cause. Karen is acclaimed internationally as an author and speaker. And we're going to be discussing two of her books um, a little bit later on. So really, really excited to discuss those. Um, With industry acknowledgement of her reputation as a thought leader, she provides both strategic and practical advice and insights to her audiences. In 2011, Karen authored the acclaimed publication Balanced Diversity, a portfolio approach to organizational change, and the second edition is underway and scheduled for release mid this year, which is wonderful. So last year saw the publication of Karen's second book, Game On, Tactics to Win When Leading Change is Everyone's Business. And then this year has seen the publication of the two books that we're going to be discussing today, Unleash the Resiliator Within, Resilience, a Handbook for Individuals, and the same book for uh, for uh, for leaders, which is really awesome. These publications encapsulate her passion to build workforces that are resilient in the face of constant, uncertain, and disruptive change. And uh, in 2014, please explain what is ITSMF Australia. That's the IT Service Management Forum. Nice one. So they bestowed bestowed her with a Lifetime Achievement Award for her contribution to the industry. That's pretty extraordinary. Thank you so much, Karen. Yeah, it was pretty special that year. Yeah, look, I'm I'm really excited that uh, you've come on board and that we're going to have this fantastic discussion about leadership today and how leadership is changing today as a result of COVID-19. So, what would you like to say a little bit more about this? So I think, and I hope, and I said at the start of this crisis or whatever we're in, mm-hmm. um, that I think 
leadership will be revealed, not created. I don't think a crisis creates leaders. No. I think they were already leaders there. They've yes. just been revealed. I love that. And we're seeing them come from some of the most unexpected places. Yes. Um, and I have to say, one of the things I hope comes out of this, as we don't go back to the new normal, we go back to a new better, um, yes. is that we start to separate the, the chaff from the wheat. Yes. Um, and that the people, so-called leaders, who just haven't been able to step up to the mark, haven't been yeah. able to engage their people, um, haven't been able to establish the trust that's needed, even more so at a time like this, yeah. um, that you know their their days will be marked and i don't mean that in a you know some people manage because they've never been led yes so it's about giving these people a chance to become the best they can and become leaders yeah. but we have people in positions that we know they just shouldn't be there and and we all know the cliche people uh, don't leave organizations they leave bad bosses so yes i think it's time to to make that call for a lot of organizations i love that I, I love that. Yes, I, I've I've thought very similarly, mm. in the sense that um, this this is really an opportunity. This time with COVID is is revealing mm. who we really are, Absolutely. and what we're capable of, and uh, uh, you know all the all the potential that is there in in people who could be leaders, mm. uh, in people who think they're leaders. <laughs> And potentially, as you said, they're, they're not. And and it, and it becomes a kind of like a mirror to them to see, well, if they want to see it, of course, mm. um, an opportunity for them to say, oh, I thought I was a good leader, but now's the, ch now's the time for me to see differently. Absolutely. Yeah. And, it's, and it's been interesting. One of the things I work with leaders um, and leadership teams is to enable them to provide more autonomy to their employees yes um, and allow them to self-manage and yes. of course that really should have happened at this time because leaders don't have line of sight of their people every yeah. day from nine to five and they don't need to well they shouldn't but no. some of them, and i was reading someone was writing they said in the organization they worked in in the office they didn't feel micromanaged the manager was there in yeah. the environment yeah but they weren't getting tapped on the shoulder and they just got on with the job and love that seemed okay then they worked remotely and all of a sudden the real management came out and they were being absolutely micromanaged wow so the manager so was comfortable when they could see them yeah but, and it was a surprise to employee because they'd not called the fact they were in line of sight and yeah. the manager could see everything micromanaged. So it's sort of, for them, it turned everything on its head unexpectedly. Yes. Um, but at this time, you know, I think it's really revealing the leaders to do trust their people. Because to me, if you micromanage, what you're saying to your employee or your team is, I don't trust you. Of course. Or I don't believe you're good enough to do the job as I yes. would do it. And yes. that's a terrible thing to say. And that's what yeah. people hear. Um, and so no wonder we have poor engagement. So leaders really need to allow people to be autonomous mm -hmm. and also provide them with, with guidance, you know, because a lot of leaders I work with, I'll say leadership in a, in a loose term, when I talk about employee autonomy and how we need to lead in that way even more so now, yeah. you can see the fear in their eyes, like you're talking anarchy, Karen. You know, it's yeah, like, I know. And I'm like, okay. Let's say it's not total anarchy because one of the things 
leaders will do, as they should be doing now, is providing people with what I call the guardrails or the principles within which they operate. And when they right. start pushing against those guardrails, mm. that's when they go, I need to have a conversation with my yeah. boss or my manager. So yeah. they feel safe as well. Yeah. The leader feels safe knowing that they have some the guardrails on a road that keep us going off the road and yes. crashing. Yes. So they know that they're operating within that. So there should be some comfort for the leader and the employee. And then I talk about them starting small. Now, unfortunately, with this COVID, there's been no start small and <laughs> baby steps. It's been wham. <laughs> yes. Um, and so some leaders have had to go through a rapid learning curve in terms of yeah. absolutely not being, you know, not having line of sight and, and, and trusting their people to get on with the, with the job at hand. And yeah, surprisingly, I've been absolutely amazed how productive people have been. Yes, yes, yes. Mm. It's interesting, isn't it interesting? We've got one extreme and another extreme mm. where um, some leaders suddenly have found a way to provide that trust because they've got those guardrails and I'd love to discuss a little bit more mm. what you mean by the guardrails, but I, I'm pretty sure I, I know. Um, and, and then the other side where there is that micromanagement that's taking place where um, before it didn't appear to exist and suddenly it seems to need to exist. But, yeah, let's have a look at that. So um, the guardrails, tell me more about those. So they're a bit like um, principles, if you like, or um, a, a boundary within which, some, within which someone can operate. Yeah. So, it could be, and I'll use a very, very simple example. It could be, I will always do right by my customer. I will always do right by my colleagues. And I will always do right by the organization, my company, those three C's, customer, company. Yeah. And if I think I'm going to do something, can I tick all those three boxes? Yeah. Okay. I'm good nice. to go. Now, That's it doesn't mean that what I do doesn't go wrong. It yeah. might, but yeah. I've done it with the best intent now, they're yeah. very simple ones. Um, yeah. You can, you know, if you look online at different companies, they'll have a set of, of principles by, by which people, people operate. Yeah. Um, some are tighter sort of guide, guidance than others. And yes. Start a bit tighter and relax over time as people yeah. get used to that way of, of working. It's a bit like saying, you know, if you're going to do something and you feel like you're shooting above the waterline, that's probably all right because we can... <laughs> We can probably fix that. Yes. Broad analogy. But yeah. if you're shooting below the waterline, perhaps maybe don't. <laughs> yeah. Because that'll sink us, you know. So it's that sort of guidance. Where do you think yes. you're at with this? And I, and I love that you've got basically three principles, just as an example. And it's usable in any circumstance. Mm. And, and, and I think it's practical. It's easy to remember. And today, you know, with all the things that we've got, to take care of within our daily um, activities within the business or within our workplace that we're in having more than just a few things to consider it mm. just becomes unrealistic so having yeah. three is really great um, mm. how did you a come lot a lot of organizations would make them more specific to a person's particular role or the yeah which is fair enough but as a broad um, example i'm going yeah. by hand on heart can say i tick those three boxes then you're pretty safe right intent yes yeah absolutely yeah absolutely um uh, and i think complicated never never works no um 
and I think a lot of organizations have this thing in their mind that, oh, we need to have more, we need to have more because without them realizing it, if they think that more means that they're more conscientious or that they're a better organization if they have more specific, but no, no, you don't need to have more. Just mm. some simple things that make sense to everyone. And, and we've seen that absolutely, haven't we, with, with COVID. So let's say, you know, an organization's been talking about digital transformation, organization generic, talking yeah. about digital transformation for the past three years. Yeah. And we need policies and procedures and we need risk assessments and we need this and we need that. And in three days they did it. Everybody wow. was digit on digital platforms, working remotely, yeah. using collaboration tools. They got the infrastructure and equipment, no process, no procedure, no roadmap. No. They just did it. Yes. Like, Please, if anything, leadership and organizations learn from this is that you can just do it. Yes. When there's a necessity, yes. Yes. just do it. And they just kept it simple. They said, right, yeah. you work from home. Yes. However that is, and then, then, you know, equipped people as they went. It wasn't yeah. like, oh, you can't because you haven't got an ergonomic chair and a desk <laughs> that stands up and a large screen. And people need those things. Yes. We'll get them. Yes. Literally, let's just start and yes. then we'll incrementally improve you. This totally agree. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's interesting when, you know, as you were saying, those those some of those structures are important and then there are some structures that really honestly you can just leave behind or work on them later or take care of them later you know we've we've gone from you know extreme to extreme where um once upon a time you could make a decision without having to worry about you know what are the policies around this um you know, is it in alignment with X, Y, Z, or is is this what the boss wants? It, it, it's it's like now let's simply be decisive. Let's use our common sense for God's sake. Seriously, um, that ability. I I wonder what do you think is the reason why we've become too complicated as leaders in particular? Why what is the reason that holds leaders from being able to simply being able, be able to make that decision uh, freely. Yeah. I think there's um, a large atmosphere of being risk adverse. Um, mm -hmm. And I think it's a prevailing culture in a lot of organisations where not just leadership, but employees as well, don't feel safe to have a go. Say, I'm going to make this decision. I reckon the risk isn't, you know, massive. Yeah. Um, but I'm okay to do it. It comes back to those principles. I did the right thing. Um, if it doesn't work, I'm not going to be, there's no blame culture. Why did you do that? Yeah. As long as I've done it for the right reason. And if we don't, and I hate the word fail, if we don't have setbacks, we'll never change. And I think it's that fear of not getting it right first time and people feeling it's a, um, an indictment on their ability or their decision making yeah. or whatever. Yeah. So they fear. It's a fear culture. I'm yeah. To have a go in case they get it wrong. Yes. So until you tell me to do something, I won't do it. Yeah. And that's it's a terrible indictment for the situation that we're in. It is. It is. Mm. It is. It is. And you know, even I was discussing with someone the other day about communication. How, you know, we we tend to be very different 
beings in the workplace than we do in other environments. And I'm not to say, you know, we've got to be, you know, flippant and um, too casual or whatever that means, but we, the, the human side of us seems to be very different in the workplace or traditionally it's been different because of hierarchy, mm. um, because of position, because of roles that people play, that I'm more important or that person's more important, therefore I should behave differently. Um, how do you think, do you think that things are changing in that regard? Not as fast as they should be. Yeah. Um, I've been saying for years, kill the hierarchy because yeah. it's just bureaucracy gone mad. Yeah. Now, yeah. there are some organisations that don't have any hierarchy. There yes. are no managers and they're extremes, but they work really well. Yeah. Star, the tomato manufacturer in the US, is a brilliant, brilliant example of that. Mm. There are no managers. Yeah. If I want to spend... $80,000 on a piece of equipment because I need it, I can spend that. Absolutely. I love that. Yeah. Love that. Great yeah. Company. Yeah. So if anyone's listening, look up Morning Star. There's a few Morning yeah. Star companies out there, but they're the tomato people. Um, and yeah, and all the salaries are totally transparent. Um, yes. They know what everyone gets paid and they can decide if someone should get paid more. It's just crazy stuff. Wow. That's, that's awesome. Um, but for yeah. most organizations, they'll need some sort of hierarchy. But it can be relatively flat. There's yes. organisations that just have so much hierarchy because of traditional bestowed position that someone's mm. been given, and yes. they've got nowhere else to go than get another position and get yeah. a corner office. And yeah, it's just it's crazy stuff, isn't it? Goes. Yeah. So the poor employee at the bottom, you know, at the in the bottom of the this hierarchy, who's on the front line, who yeah. goes. I've got a brilliant idea how to satisfy this customer has to go dum, 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 all the way to the top. Yes. And often they don't get even halfway up. No. And it, right. And if it does come back down, by the time it's come back down, the opportunity has gone anyway. Yes. Someone um, else has taken it. Yep. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Which is just such a crazy thing. And, and I agree. I, th I think that the hierarchy and, 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 and there needs to be some form of leadership. Yeah, Definitely. Structure because it. otherwise you can't have everyone just doing their own thing. Mm. So there needs to be an, a way of coordinating what needs to be done. And usually the best person for the job is the one who takes initiative. So a leader, which is fair enough. Um, when it's the old fashioned hierarchy, it creates these senses of fear and of fear, especially fearing failing and feeling making any kind of mistake um, I have this desire this wish this all-time wish that you know everyone in the world has this new sense of meaning behind the word failure and making mistakes because they're actually just words but we've applied meaning to them based on our experiences so i'd love for everyone to have these new experiences that are just wonderful because making mistakes is a perfectly natural thing absolutely if we if we have a fear of getting something wrong or making a mistake we'll never move forward absolutely and, you know i talk about resilience a lot in the workplace yes. well before this stuff has happened um and I say resilience to me, it's not about bouncing back. It's about yeah. bouncing forward. I love that. Uh, having yeah, a setback cool. and going, okay, that didn't go well. 
what did I learn from that? And yeah. that's a celebration. I learned something. We're not going to do it. So I'm actually moving forward. Yes. If I just keep bouncing back. Yes. There's a point at which I'm not <laughs> bouncing anymore. <laughs> I love that. I love that. That's really awesome. Yeah. And, and I'm glad you brought up resilience because resilience really does um, reflect a leader in a way that it doesn't matter what role that what role you play how how can you how do you see resilience as a function of leadership absolutely i think one of the things so let me just take a step back so yeah. resilience in the workplace for me is has to be there so that people because change now is faster and faster yes we've just seen it it's yeah. disruptive yeah. it's uncertain we can't foresee it and it's going to change us all the time Yes. And it's not going to slow down anytime soon. And we often talk about resistance to change. And I'm like, no, people don't resist change when they understand why. Yeah. People did not, when COVID-19 hit, to say, sorry, I'm staying in the office. Yes. They knew why they had to go work from home. Yeah. You know, the yes. why is important. So we need to create a workforce that can be resilient in the face of this disruption. Yes. And the leaders have an absolute part to play in creating the environment in which resilience can thrive yes so they need to be able to identify very early signs of low resilience so whether that's a change in someone's behavior a change in their language whatever it might be mm. and there's just early signs but that's about the leader knowing their people in the first place nice to spot that and then take the action and ask you know the are you okay now you'll be aware of the campaign we've had in australia for are yeah. you okay which i love yeah absolutely brilliant it is very cool but <laughs> it's like people the leaders are scared to ask the question because mm. if i say you know are you okay and you say actually karen no i'm not yeah now but excuse my language now i go oh shit <laughs> i wasn't ready for that um because yes. we haven't equipped leaders with what's the next conversation Absolutely. and making sure they know they don't need to be general practitioners and medical professionals just being and psychiatrists and yes. psychologists they just need to be there to support and help yeah. that person find the right help that they need yes so yes. our next generation of leaders need that ability to have those conversations so mm -hmm. that comes around helping people you know be resilient having constant conversations about creating environments of psychological safety yeah. where I feel not only can I challenge quest, uh, decisions and ask questions, I can actually put my hand up and say, I'm not doing so well. Mm. But that is about leaders having that conversation. It's yes. about a leader in a team meeting saying, you know, six months ago, I was really, really stressed. Yeah. Um, I was depressed, blah, whatever it might be. Yeah. I mean, obviously not making it up, but a real story where they had to, you know, have resilience and, and bounce forward. Yeah. And when people share stories, other people will feel safe to do it too. So it's about leaders being vulnerable. Yes, yes. And then they, they're creating empathy, mm. which is interesting. They don't have to be empathy, empathetic in the first place, but by sharing their own story, they're mm. helping others have that empathy. Yeah. And, and it becomes even if they haven't experienced it, reach out to someone else in the organization that maybe has who's yeah. to share their story. 
yes. or you know, reach out to the Beyond Blue and the Heads Up of the World and get people to come in the organisation and talk. Just start the conversation. Yeah. Because when people aren't talking about it, we have this stigma about mental health that if I say I'm struggling, yeah. people are going to go, you can't do your job. You yeah, exactly. I'm going to lose my job. Yeah, no. That conversation, especially like times like now, this is what you yeah. really do as you say, have to have the empathy and lead with compassion. And yeah, and it's a very different look and feel for leadership than, yeah. you know, than we, and I think this COVID has really shifted that, that view for people. And mm. one of the things I've been writing about at the moment is about, you know, I'm talking this week on my LinkedIn videos is about engagement. And one thing I'm trying to say to leaders or bosses, managers, um, you need to get this right. Because when we come out of this, everyone's focused on the crisis we're in at the moment. Yes. When we come out of this, whenever it might be, whatever that looks like, there's mm. going to be a tsunami on social media of how well my organisation did as opposed to how well your organisation didn't do supporting yeah. me through this crisis. Yes. And it's brand and reputation. Company yes. A could be like, Glassdoor is going to go. Great point. And yeah. organisation B going, I'm not going to not going to work for you so the whole talent retention and attraction is going to be yes so yes. people are already talking but yes they're at the moment and um it's like i was talking to a lady this week last week who's delivering training now yeah. virtually as opposed to physically and she said that one of her students this was a three-day course yeah one of the students was undertaking that course for three days on their mobile phone wow. because they didn't have access to any other device Right. Um, it's probably more behind the story, but you know, if that's an employer sending me on a training course and I don't have, you know, a laptop at home or whatever it might be to do that course, that person's going to shout, speak out at the end of the day. I would have refused to join the course actually, <laughs> personally. Um, and regardless of this, the consequences, <laughs> wow. I mean, that's crazy stuff. No, I know there might be more behind it than that. Yeah. But when, when I just heard that, I went, no one would choose, surely no one would choose to do no. a three-day course on that phone. No. <laughs> well, you know, and of course, as you said, there, there's probably more to the story. You know, yeah. often, often people may say something without um, admitting to the fact that I haven't even spoken up to say that I don't have a computer at home. There's a lot of perhaps assumption that everyone has a computer set up, which, yeah. I mean, it's it's less likely these days that people won't have PCs, but you never know. That, and that's another big leadership failure, isn't it? Making that yeah. assumption. Exactly. Why not reach out to everyone? Do you have what yes. you need? Yes. If you don't have what you need, say so. I'm not, yes. And then it's... it's setting expectations it doesn't yeah. mean i'm going to come around to your house and build an extension so you have a home office yeah okay but you know do you have a working the resources you need yeah you, you know all uh, lighting yeah. all that sort of stuff that can be addressed yes that major expense um but yeah was that person asked did they yeah. have I yes know. yeah yes it's interesting very yeah. very interesting i love this uh, tell me Karen, if you don't mind, I'm going to take us back a little bit. How did you, how did you start being interested in leadership in the first instance? Oh, good question. Mm. <laughs> so I started my career back in the UK mm -hmm. and in IT, 
because I was an IT operator to start with and then blah, blah, blah. I moved into the area of service management. But my passion was always about being a team leader. When I became a team leader, I loved it. I loved mm. looking after the people side of, of change and yeah. IT service management, which is all about sort of process and technology, process um, improvement within IT. Yes. That's what brought me out to Australia um, in 98. And um, I still having that passion because with IT service, with anything in IT, if you're changing technology or process or procedure or roles, it's people side of change. So okay. the whole leadership thing for me was a passion in, ter in terms of trying to be Beautiful. the best leader I could. Yeah. And, and to me, leadership was all about not managing, but inspiring and motivating others and allowing them to be the best they can be. Got and not being a leader that has to have all the answers because I don't have all the answers. I've never had all the answers. Yeah, nice. Um, and that's why you have teams. If you had yeah. all the answers, you wouldn't need anyone else. Yes. So we have teams for this reason. Um, and then um, about we're in a, 10 years ago, um, I wrote my first book, Balanced Diversity, which you mentioned at the beginning, which was all about organizational change. And I wrote it and I used a framework that I didn't create. I came across and I was yeah. like, this is going to be awesome because IT people, technology people like frameworks, you know? <laughs> um, so I thought I wrote it for the service management industry. And that was really my shift into that sort of organizational change leadership nice. space that I'd had the passion about. And yeah. then moving to that more sort of, as opposed to being a leader, then more of the consultative side of what I do today. Yes. Yeah, I love that. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. It's, it's interesting how it just progressively you were led in that direction. And resilience. Why specifically resilience? Why is that? Well, it, it sounds to me that you consider this to be, I don't know, about more important, but perhaps a particularly valuable um, inner resource that, that people need. Yeah. Um, I think, and I've been talking about this for sort of um, for the last 18 months, two years, well before COVID came along. Yeah. Just seeing the amount of change that organizations and the people within them were trying to cope with. And right. a lot of those people change used to be fairly episodic. You know, mm. it was just the way the organization moved. And all of a sudden change is just crazy. And what's really stressing or is stressing a lot of people out is that an organization may be had, heading in this direction. Yes. Okay. Yeah. We're all on board. We're on the bus. <laughs> then suddenly we go no, off that bus onto this one. <laughs> and that's not because of poor leadership or the C-suite not doing the job. It's that the organization has realized they have to shift. Yes. And they have to change direction because of what the competition is doing, yeah. what customers want, consumers want, whatever. Yeah. And that's very, um, can be very stressful and make people very anxious. And, oh, when's, when's the next change? When are we going to change direction again? And what's that going to mean mm -hmm. to me? Um, so, and I, like I mentioned before, I really don't believe generally that people resist change. If yeah. they know why something needs to change and it's, you know, a solid why, then generally they'll be on board. Mm. What we're, we're, a lot of leaders get and make the mistake is they say, this is what we need to do and this is how we're going to do it. Mm. I'm like, oh, where's the why? It's like you say to me, um, Karen, we're going to Canberra tomorrow and I'm driving. So you yes. told me what we're going to do and how we're going to do it. But I'm like, 
why? Why are we yes. going to summit? Yes. Um, so we forget that that conversation about why. Yes. Um, so I work with leaders again to, to to talk about the why, to get people on board, and then have the resilience to embrace the fact that mm. constant change is our new norm. Mm. It is what it is. Yes. Um, and then have the resilient sort of tools such as you know being able to collaborate communicate effectively to be able to operate with empathy yeah got it all of those things all yes. of those things some of us have lots of and some of us have less of yeah. and resilience can be learned it's not something you're born with yeah. uh, and i think there's a lot of myths as well you know people with resilience do get knocked down they're not, you know, they're not immune to it. Yes. It's just that they get back up in a different way yeah. to other people. It's interesting you say we're not born with it. I would kind of suggest otherwise. I think that children are incredibly resilient until they're taught not to be. True. And I think it is an attitude thing. And what you're probably, sounds like what's happening in your book is your teaching people how to regain their ability to be resilient yeah it's like um people being authentic yes and and how we need to learn how to trust and trust yeah. in two way yeah uh, as a child they spot someone who's not authentic yes straight away because they are authentic themselves and they can see it. You can't, you can't kid a kid. Yes. You know, they'll see right through you. Yeah. And um, again, it's taught out of children. Yeah, that's right. All those wonderful things that could make us super strong as human beings, yeah. as leaders, we had when we were kids, naturally. Absolutely. And yes. We have this whole, you know, the imposter syndrome people are talking about. Yeah. Uh, we have people who believe they have to have a certain demeanor they have to talk in a certain way dress in a certain way behave in a certain way yeah exactly. and it's like no guys be authentic and authentic doesn't yeah. mean we rock up to work or whenever we go back you know in your thongs and your torn jeans you know because that's how you dress at home but to being about authentic in yourself absolutely what you say how you present yeah. yourself how you engage with people yeah you know, because it's only by being authentic that people that you'll establish trust and yeah got to be the one of the biggest things that we need yeah now and going forward yes 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 what do you imagine what would you say is the destroyer of trust um from a leadership perspective i'd say yes. saying one thing and doing something else good one so again the integrity what you see is what you get so often they feel they need to say something because they believe that's what people want to hear and then mm. they can't deliver on that yeah and the thing about trust and i can't remember the saying now it takes you know years to build yes a moment to lose and yes a time to regain yeah. something like that yes right. yes but it's it is so right and you know leaders have to walk the talk and i you know i often say if you don't have if you haven't got anything to add it doesn't mean you don't say that yeah say that they go well i'm not communicating because i have nothing to say yes you have you say i've got nothing to say nothing's changed we're still going we're still treading water whatever it might be yeah. um but absolutely and you know leaders yeah have this fear that um 
they have to be seen to say the right thing and do the right thing and then they can't deliver yeah um, yeah goes out of the window it's about being again um authentic and yes being prepared to be vulnerable and to say i haven't got the answer yeah reaching out to the yes. team i don't know is a very good answer yeah i don't know and um, yes. nobody said when they gave me a title on the door of my office that i suddenly bestowed with all the knowledge in the world yeah <laughs> yeah know, it's not what leadership is about and still, it's interesting how due to whatever our circumstances were, this is exactly how many people do approach what it means to be a leader. Mm. That, um, I, I mean, I, I, I'm certainly one of those. I had been for many, many years and I desired this thing to be a leader. Um <sighs> It's not as easy as people think it is. And uh, to be a, a leader who manipulates, who dictates, and I still have uh, remnants of those still within me. It's not an easy thing to unlearn, but it is learnable. It is something that we can, we can learn to lead appropriately, lead in ways that are going to be far more effective than, than just simply by telling someone. Absolutely. And I think one of the things I feel um, it's easy to say, oh, that's a bad boss. But often people with the title leader yeah. have the only role model they have is the person that's managed them. And the only yeah. role model they have is the person to manage them. Of course. So yeah. They don't know any different. That's it. Um, and it's like I mentioned. They work with the tools that they've got in place at the time. They've been, here you go, here's a team of people. Yeah. And no equipped, no coaching, education, training about how to be a good leader. So they're yeah. just left to drown. Yes. And no wonder they're like, you know, pretending to be something they're not because they don't, yeah. It, it's they don't know any differently. It's a tough gig and they don't know any differently. And it is something yeah. that can be learned and developed. Which is why I absolutely love the fact that the learning, and we've got to be prepared to want to learn to to discover what it is that we don't know we don't know um, by reading books by learning from others going to different programs there's always another viewpoint that may be valid or we'll learn what's not valid absolutely um, and on that note i would love you know for this for you to perhaps share a little bit more on the unleash unleash the resiliator <laughs> an interesting word a resiliator within um for both leaders and individuals tell me what's the difference between okay. resilience or being a resiliator individually and being a leader res resiliator <laughs> so, resiliator clearly a made-up word <laughs> yeah, I love it. Why not? The resiliator is a superhero. Ooh. And the resiliator has superpowers. Okay? Nice, of course. So I started off writing the first book, which was the handbook for individuals. And that was everybody in the organization. Yes. So superpowers include things like the empathizer, the collaborator, the regulator, which is about emotional intelligence, uh, the reframer. You mentioned reframing. Nice one. Banker having gratitude. Yeah. Um, the believer having self-belief. So there's 20 superpowers. Awesome. Just depending on the context they find themselves, yeah. the yeah. problem they're trying to overcome. Yeah. The psychological state of mind they're in. They can reach into here and pull out one or more superpowers as they I need. love that. They don't need all 20. 
yeah one or two as they go and so this helps them become more and more or bring out the resiliator inside them correct Got so it. the communicator is a superpower some yes. people might be really good at that already and that's great tick the box and yeah. um, someone might one day go i really don't think i can overcome this challenge my self-belief is just shot i love so that they could go to the believer and say well how can i build that self-belief back in myself i love that and go in and dip in and out of it as they need this is fantastic one of the superpowers in the individual's book is called the revealer yeah which is about being your authentic self in the workplace because and we've touched on this there's nothing more tiring than hiding behind a mask and pretending um and i did this at the start of my career you know pretending you knew stuff I didn't know stuff. I stressed yeah. me out. I yeah. was scared about being found out, you know, um, especially in IT. I didn't know stuff. Um, <laughs> and it's really fatiguing and stressful. Yeah. So the revealer talks about how to be your authentic self in the workplace. Yeah. Now, on the other side of the coin, um, I could say, well, that's great. So someone goes off and is their authentic self in them. They go to a meeting and they go say to the boss, don't really understand why we're going in that direction. And then they come back to me the next day and go, that didn't go too well, Karen. I got shot down. <laughs> I got told to shut up. Blah, blah, blah. Okay, got so it. Then come about the handbook for leaders. Got so it. one of the um, superpowers in here is the caretaker, which is about making sure there is psychological safety that people can be their authentic self in the Good. workplace. Good. So there's 20 superpowers for the leader and um, the developer. So yeah. we talked just as we came, uh, growth mindset, developing, yes. developing people, the modeler, modeling yep. the right behaviors. Fantastic. Um, reinforcer, reinforcing positive behaviors. Yeah, so got it. More of the same. Um, the caretaker, I mentioned, psychological safety. The autonomizer, giving people autonomy. Nice. Um, identifier, identifying early signs of low resilience. Um, yeah, so there's a whole, again, for the leaders. Fantastic. In and out. Now, to me, anyone can be a leader. So this book yes. applies really to anyone, even though there's Love two. That. And leader is an individual. So yeah. two go, you know, hand in hand. Yeah. Um, I love that. So I can see that the individual one is very much about really developing a mindset of resilience. The other one, is very much about the behavior of resilience in a sense, the server, because it's very much, okay, yes, I still need to identify certain things about myself, but now it's about others. Correct. So yes. the, the leader book's very much about creating the right environment yeah. to allow people love that. to be resilient and, nice. and, and thrive and be the best that they can. That's fantastic. I love this, Karen. I'll definitely, I think I'll, I'll definitely be getting those two books. And on that note, I will share for our viewers and listeners, mm -hmm. I will share the link to purchase that book as well. So do you have the um, website? Where can they purchase it from? KarenFerris.com. Excellent. Easy. Oh, that's easy. And then there's a, there's a page called Books, which describes the books, and there's a page called Store, where you can buy the Excellent. books. Excellent. Fantastic. And I'll include those links. I'll include the links in 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 the uh, uh, podcast description. So so that'll be available for people. Terrific, Karen. Do you have any last words? Final words of wisdom. Ooh. 
um, adaptive leadership. Mm-hmm. If it's one of my my passions as well, there was a book written back in two thousand and nine. Yeah. By Ron Heights, Marty Linsky. I probably said those names wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, the practice of adaptive leadership. 2009 it's never been more relevant than it is today and they talk about that I love and other people would use the analogy of a microscope and um, a telescope but they talk about getting on at a dance floor getting off the dance floor and going to the balcony on the dance floor I see who I'm dancing with I have a sense of the music and how I'm dancing and what's going Mm. on in my immediate circle I need to go on the balcony and see the bigger picture. Two very different lenses that leaders need both. And they keep going on the balcony, deciding what needs to be done, deciding on the intervention, and then getting back on the dance floor to see how it's played out. I love that. So, yeah, adaptive leadership, I think, now has always been relevant. But I think it's an understanding that there are what they call technical problems or challenges, things that we have a handbook for. Yes. Before, maybe slightly differently, but then there are adaptive channel challenges, which we have no idea how to deal mm. with. So, mm. and I think that's exactly where we are today. So, yes. Yeah. Yes. I love, I love this. It's a fascinating <laughs> viewpoint. You know, like visually speaking, I, I can so relate to that dancing thing. Uh, yeah. I think most people could quite easily. And yes, um, in order to be able to adapt, you've got to be able to have the different perspectives Absolutely. Uh, because it, it becomes real then. You can't just say, look, you know, I can see everything as it is because no, you don't. Mm. That's only one point of view. And the same way when you're stuck in the thick of things, that's only one point of view as well. Yeah, yeah. I love that. Thank mm. you. Yes, for us to be able to adapt to these unusual circumstances that we're in we need to be able to adapt we need to be resilient and we need to be able to develop this sense of trust amongst ourselves and especially for our people they are capable and uh, we just need to give them space and opportunity absolutely wonderful thank you so much karen i really appreciate you coming and joining me for this conversation it's been fantastic i loved it we could talk for days (laughs) we could i know i know we might do that yet again believe me (laughs) thank you so much 